1: all the way to the bank
0: it's time to sell or die when i first knew victoria Labomb, she was about to give the keynote to all of the gathered from the national speakers association and she asked me if i would please sit up front and i thought well I'll do her a favor and I'll sit up front because I never sit up front at an NSA. But it turns out, after I saw her talk, that she did me a favor by making me sit in the front so I could get the full impact of one of the best speeches I've ever seen. Since that time, and I'm going to, I don't want to date myself, but let's say it's more than a decade. Since that time, I've gone to watch her not evolve, literally blossom as an incredible presenter, and now an incredible writer. Please help me welcome, diehard, help me welcome the great Victoria LeBlanc. Woo! Thank you so much for having me. We're glad you're here. How about the fact that I remembered the speech? Very impressive. I know. It was an amazing talk. You know that. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, you
0: got this book. For those of you who are listening, I'm going to hold the book up so you can see what it doesn't look like. For those of you watching, (laughs) this is one of the more interesting book reads of all time. This is a book called Risk Forward, and it's all about how to take a step that you didn't dare before. Is that fair to say, Victoria? Perfectly said. And that step can be the beginning of a new business, a new relationship, a new life, a new job. It is so good that you can basically take this and mold it to yourself. How'd that come about, Victoria?
2: How'd that come about? Well, I decided to write a book that, first off, you could read in any order. So it's both the kind of book that you read from front to back or in any order. And each chapter is really short because I want people to have that sense of progression, like taking that step forward and risking forward. And so it's written to have that momentum. And I wrote it really because I noticed in the industries that we're in so often with businesses, and sales, The people were always saying, you know, what's your goal? What's your plan? Where do you want to be in two years and five years? And it felt like if you didn't have that, you were somehow bereft, that you were behind. And I felt like so much of what I learned from leaders and successful people in all walks of life, and in sales especially, is that they often didn't know where they were going either. They took those risks and saw where they led.
1: I think what's so interesting to me is this concept of Everyone talks about doing something and stepping out of your comfort zone and the like fear behind it and that like having to feel safe, if that's maybe the opposite of taking a risk. I don't know. But the safe path, the safe journey, right? Like what would be the safest thing to do? And you've turned that on its head and said, no, 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 forget safe. We're going with risk. You're gonna risk forward. And I'm curious how that came about, like that specific just the term and if there are examples in your life or like one major one that made this come to life? Yeah, it's an excellent
2: question. Well, yeah, it's interesting because we've always been in our lives in a place of unsafety or uncertainty, as people often say these days. It's never been a guarantee that we'll have our job, that we'll make the deal, that our relationships will hold, our health will hold that there won't be some crisis in the world, that's always been present. It's just that now in our lives more than ever, it's been more apparent. So we've always had to risk. We've always been in a state of risk. And really what this is about is that sense of being heart open. Risk forward is actually a term that I coined and trademarked coming out of working with the great French mime, Marcel Marceau. And if you can imagine this, he had this type of movement he taught us, which he called in French, risque avant which in French would translate literally to risk in advance. But I thought of it as a philosophy for life. You know, how do we move a little off balance, heart open, even if we're not sure where we're going? And I think it's how we end up finding our way because one of three things happens when you risk forward. Either you discover this is the right path or you discover that it's not quite right, but there you can see the next step. You might've gone front and then you realize, oh, I need to go to the side. or three you don't die with that regret of never having tried. And that, of course, is the number one regret of the dying, that they didn't take more creative risks. So this is a book that you'll find success in no matter what.
0: I think that it's easy for a man to understand this by the fact that they've never used a roadmap when they're in a car trying to get someplace. And they're willing to risk making the wrong term and being yelled at by their spouse for being an idiot that didn't use a map. But they're willing to take the risk. That's the point. And I think that you have to look at risk as something that has some kind of a measurement that says I'm willing to go this far, but not this far. So how do you tell somebody what level or how do you determine what level of risk tolerance you have in the world?
2: Yeah, it's excellent because I think it's obviously specific for each person. And sometimes people misinterpret this book to mean, oh, it's about sell your business and move to another country or you know, give everything. It's really not. It's really more about the small creative risks we can take in our daily lives and how that can lead to something bigger. It's how do you distinguish yourself from everyone else in your workplace? You know, in the sales world, for example, years ago, I did an event for a company and a guy whose last name was Clark handed me his business card and he'd stapled a Clark bar to it. And I remember it to this day. It's like you with your Gittimer coins. I remember these things. I have a business card that's a lip balm by La Balm to go with my last mm-hmm. name. These are the small creative risks that we take that most people don't want to do because they look around and they go, well, everyone else's business card is plain. Everyone else's website looks the same. So it's really, how do we express ourselves in our own unique way?
0: It's funny, I never thought about it as a risk. I just thought about it as doing something somebody else didn't do. But other people would look at it and go, geez, I wonder if somebody's going to like this. But being a Northeaster, you don't really give a shit if somebody likes it or not. That's like <laughs> part of the deal is, you don't like it? Oh, i you thought I cared. And I think that, that you're growing up has a lot to do with it because some people that grew up in a different environment might really fear having a business card that's a coin or a Clark bar or a, some chapstick.
2: Completely. There's a wonderful quote in the book, which is from a guy named Rollo May. And to paraphrase it, it's the opposite of courage is not cowardice, the opposite of courage is conformity. And people are afraid to be different and they conform. And, that, and you see it in all types of, you know, worlds. In different cultures, you see it in different industries. People start to dress the same. Their websites look the same. Whatever it happens to be. Or, you know, in Hollywood, it used to be all leather jackets for the directors with their hair in a ponytail. You know, in the 80s and the 90s, that was the look. It's true, right? So is that it is. more
1: about approaching this from an art form and, like, really figuring out creatively how to move forward. Absolutely. It's how
2: do you move forward in your own way, in a way that lights you up in a way that's creative to you? Because what happens is people start to adopt each other's goals. You know, they want the same thing, but they haven't really thought, is this really what I want? And then they wonder why they're not succeeding. Jeffrey, why you're so successful and Jen, why you're so successful is because you do do it in your own way and you stand out and you take what you have. And what I would call in the subtitle of the book, unlocking your hidden genius.
0: What about you unlocking your self confidence? Because that part of risking is having enough confidence to take the risk, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's like a chicken egg situation, though, because in the taking of the risk, we build confidence. We have a little feedback, we have a little success, and then we move forward. There's a guy who came through one of our programs, Risk Forward, these events, and he, you know, part of taking a risk is being able to do something that's different from what you've done before. So he would built a business as a keynote speaker, he spoke mostly to schools youth groups, he would be on stage with his guitar and he came to me at the event and he said, I want to present to the group, because we were all sharing our risk-forward ideas, things that were outside of what we'd done in the past. And he said, I have this idea, it'd be like a, an online co-working group. This is before COVID. We'd get up 5 30 to 7 a.m. We'll all work at the same time, just as an accountability. And he charged a thousand bucks and he pitched to the group and it was the simplicity of it. You know, he then started to add on, oh, we'll have work sessions and I'll send you PDFs. We're like, no, 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 don't screw it up with all that addition. Just having the accountability and that much of a paying point of a thousand bucks, $997, 5.30 to 7 a.m. Monday through Friday. We did it for a month. He called it project finished. Get your project done. And he pitched this idea out of the top of his head. And literally, this was a room of an event. People started signing up. I signed up for the first one. So it was totally. Total risk forward for him. He had no idea it turned into tens and tens of thousands of dollars as he ran these programs. But often, as I say in the book, risking forward is like the ability to say no to what you've done before sometimes and step into the unknown.
0: People get into these safety zones. And especially now, we're in the biggest cocoon in the history of mankind. Some people haven't been outside since March. And you have to look at that phrase. You have 2020. Right. So you have to look at this from the perspective of I think people are more risk averse right now, either because of the masks that they wear or where they convene or how they conduct a the meeting or can I shake hands with this person? Shaking hands is a risk. So your book is very timely in terms of giving people the confidence to just move. And yeah. I think that's tremendous
2: timing. Well, what I love too is people who are reading it are saying it gives them permission. It's like the permission not to know, permission to try something, permission to be okay, taking a different path. It's the sense of ease because so many development books in business or personal development, so business development, personal development, they're always go, 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 go for it, go for the dreams. And I actually think that's counterproductive because people start to feel less than, oh, is my goal not big enough? Is my dream not big enough? Instead of saying like, just take the freaking volume down. And it gives people peace. People have this sense of ease reading the book and like, oh. A friend of mine said he feels like he took off a seatbelt after wearing one for 35 years. Just that sense of peace and permission.
0: However, this is the rub. If I take off the seatbelt, something dings, and I get a warning that says, hey, douchebag, you just took your seatbelt off, put it back on. Like, I don't want to wear the seatbelt. No, you have to. So be aware that those internal dings hit people in their confidence part of their brain, wherever that is, in the back somewhere but it's still there. And if I hear dinging, I'm at least gonna like look around and make sure that someone approves or that I feel comfortable enough to move forward and take this action. I think Northeasterners, and I don't mean to cast this to people that are not from the Northeast, but we are risk takers just by crossing the street. We have learned. And by the way, if you've never seen Victoria's video, of crossing Park Avenue. I think it's called the Park Avenue Shuffle or something. Exactly right.
1: We'll link to it in the show notes. It's definitely worth a watch. Oh, my God. But it
0: shows you how to cross the street with style. And in New York, no one will beep you. They'll just run you over. (laughs) And, you know, you don't really have a choice there. And if it's snowing or raining, they'll go for the puddle to make sure that you're splashed and run over. So it's not, they like try to get a two for one. So growing up in that environment, you're willing to take the risk a little bit more than if you didn't grow up in an environment where you had to protect yourself, or you had to fend for yourself, or you had to do things for yourself. Like my parents always let me go someplace and take my own crap. Like I went to a clothing store and I bought some clothing and my dad didn't like it. And he said, take it back. I said, what do you mean? He said, you go take it back. I said. Me, I gotta go guess from my and the guy wouldn't give me my money back, you know. So it was like I had to really learn a lesson, but it was a risk lesson. Everything's a risk lesson. So I would challenge readers to just think about their own risks while they're looking at this, while they're reading this book to say, do I fit? At how risk, what's my risk tolerance level? Maybe there's a risk tolerance measurement device that you can put on the website so you can so people can see where they are.
2: Huh. Yeah, but possibly
0: down at the bottom is. Chicken shit and way at the top is willing to be hit by a car if I don't run fast enough. Those are the risk levels.
2: Yeah. There's another part of the book, though, that if anyone's listening to this thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm not a risk taker. I think what I, as I said earlier, so much of what people are feeling is a sense of peace and permission. There's something that I know you really loved, both of you, called the clock of angst and the clock yep. of calm. And there's a whole section on fear and on courage. And by the way, when I say section, I mean like half a page, a page, but these, pages I worked on that used to be 10 pages are condensed to a half a page so that they're very spare and very easy to absorb. And that's the work we put in to make it feel comfortable for the reader. And it's just that sense of like, oh my God, I think I've been too hard on myself all this time. That's what I think people who are reading it are feeling. Maybe Maybe. they also feel I can do this. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like, you know, the pressure doesn't help. The pressure can be really counterproductive. So, So you
1: talked about goal setting and I want to go back to that. Because you talked about how I think Jeffrey, you mentioned people do it wrong. And I know Victoria, you talk about it a lot in your book. Talk to us about what people need to be doing so that they can attain that peace and sense of calm after they set goals.
2: Yeah, great question. Well, the first part is to make sure the goal that you're setting is coming from within, as I say. Because, you know, people pick these goals arbitrarily because the people around them have them. It's like this goal contagion, you know, I wanna. Impact 10 million lives. That's sort of the thing that entrepreneurs always say. I want to impact, you know, well, where did that come from? Right. Or, you know, I want a, this kind of home or this kind of toy. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like when I was speaker coaching, I would often have people come up to me and say, you know, I want a New York Times bestseller and a big TED talk, you know, with millions of views. I said, yeah, you and about a thousand other people who've spoken to me in the last few weeks. So it's where did that interest come from is really the question. And I think, you know, goals have great merit to them. But if we each think back, I mean, anyone listening to this, if you think back to some of the best experiences of your life, I'm pretty sure most of them were not the result of a goal. No argument. Mm.
0: There's literally no argument. Name almost every major accomplishment that I've had in my life and none were goals. None.
2: Yeah. And there's a testament to what I'm trying to say. So I love that you agree with that. And as I say in the book, don't let your goals get in the way of your life.
0: Oh wow, that's powerful! Very, very powerful. That's cool. Yeah, I. If you set a goal and you think this is a big hairy goal, probably the wrong goal. It's likely you're not going to achieve. You know, you'll achieve your big hairy goal when you have no hair. Yes,
2: there you go. I think
0: think that you have to look at this from the perspective of be realistic with yourself. If you're going to take a risk, take a realistic risk. Yeah, take some. You're not like betting everything on red. You're not betting the house on whether it's going to be an odd or an even number. You're taking a calculated risk. Yeah. You're taking a controlled risk. You're taking a thoughtful risk and you're moving forward with it. Exactly.
1: But do you think that people are overthinking that action part of it? Like, Jeffrey, you're making it sound so easy. Like, you're just taking a risk. Just go for it. That's because you do this all the time and you've done it for decades. But I see you a lot we'll of people- Don't call me old. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: You just called yourself old.
0: Oh. And it was one of those
1: two things. No, I'm just saying you you have great practice at it because you do it all the time. And you didn't think that making a coin card was like a risk. And many people would say, oh, my God, I'm not investing $10,000 into creating these coin cards because what if they fail? What if no one likes them? What if they're too heavy? What What if all the what ifs, right? And so I just think that people get stuck in this overthinking place of what if. X will happen. And I'm curious, like what you'd say about that, Victoria, and how can they overcome
2: that? Yeah. Well, one of the things I like to say is to do a micro risk. So that's a small step. You know, it's not, let me try this in front of an audience of a thousand. Let me go invest a hundred thousand dollars in this particular choice, unless you had a lot of money. And that was a small percentage of it. It's really, how do I take a micro risk? How do I try it in front of three people? How do I print up a few of them? How do I experiment and see if I even like it? And then see where it takes me and see if there's momentum behind it. You know, years ago, I was with my husband and he was one of the original Muppet performers. And he was hanging out with his friends, these other Muppet performers. And I was listening to these conversations and I thought, I should not be the only one hearing this. Like, this is something people would pay money for. And people would love to be here and not just me. So I said, we should record this. Jeffrey's hand just went up. So I said, we should record this. And uh, we got a camera crew together. We found some people to help, which is key. You know, if you're outside your expertise, which is mine, I didn't know anything about the Muppets. I didn't know anything about filmmaking and documentary, but there were people who did. And we got a group together and we filmed these five original performers in a loft. And we didn't know. People kept saying, what are you going to do with it? What's the plan? What's the goal? This is what would have stopped me, right? I said, I don't know. Let's just record it. And then let's see what we have. And that's all I'm telling people to do is take the first step. Like, we didn't know what the footage was going to be. Same thing with Park Avenue Shuffle. I didn't know what that was going to be. I just said, I want to go out and dance on Park Avenue. I think it'll be funny. And let's film it. That's all we thought. It ended up becoming the closing film of my keynote performance for a decade. It got me backstage at the HBO Comedy Festival with Steve Martin and the Smothers Brothers pointing at and going, that's funny. It took me all kinds of places. And Muppet Guys Talking, which was the, the temporary name for the film. We called it Muppet Guys Talking because that's what it was. That became the permanent name of the film. We cut it together. First, it was going to be five little episodes, then it was going to be a feature film, turned into a 65-minute documentary feature. We submitted it to South by Southwest. It became a feature piece for the 2017 South by Southwest all over the press. You can Google it, Muppet guys talking. But it was a risk forward. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never done anything like it. And That's all I'm saying is take the first step and see what happens. And It was a small step. It was just, let's record these guys. That's all we and got. For those right. of you so who cool.
0: don't know what we're talking about, let me give you this quote: "She's got nine arms. That's one of her charms, and each one looks like the other." And if you ever watched anything having to do with Sesame Street and the Muppets, I will guarantee you that you know Minamna, ah, that you know here and there, and you know any of the characters that Frank Oz has played.
2: Yeah. So that was a risk forward. You know, in fact, I had a story in the book. There's a section of the book where I have six just because statements. And one of them, and they're all meant to keep you risking forward. One of them is just because you haven't worked on it in a while doesn't mean you're not meant to do it. Because sometimes we start a project, whether it's a novel or a renovation or an idea for a business, and we put it away. And then after a month or a year goes by, we think, well, maybe I'm not meant to do it because I haven't done it. And then we have friends and family going, oh, You're never going to do that thing, are you? And so we start to lose confidence and said, it was just on the back burner. So what I say to people is take that back burner project back off the back burner, brush it off and put a little time into it and see if it's got life. And that's what happened with Muppet Guys Talking. It was on the back burner for five years, but we pulled it out because we had all this footage sitting on hard drives. We edited it together and there it was. So just because you haven't worked on it in a while doesn't mean you're not meant to do it. It just means it's been on the back burner
0: why don't you just tell people to keep their back burner on warm instead of turning it off?
2: There you go.
1: I'm just thinking about, can you risk forward, a risk forward gone bad? Like you took that risk. It didn't result in what you want. And now how do you continue that momentum to still come out on the other side in the right way?
2: Yeah, well, I think it's first acknowledging that you did it because you'll always wonder if you didn't. You know, I bombed many, many times in my life. From risk boards that didn't work out, but here's what's great: is I now know that thing wasn't the right thing.
0: Yeah, I'd like yeah, to just huge. have a quarter for every time I screwed up. <laughs> I, I think that literally you have to be able to want to do it again. You can't lose your self confidence because one little thing went wrong, or say, "Well, I tried it before; it didn't work." Yeah, if Thomas Edison would have tried that; we'd still be lighting a candle. Literally.
2: Yeah. What's the famous quote? I'm paraphrasing it. You know, success is repeated failures without the loss of enthusiasm. Yeah, exactly. Who was that, Churchill? Something like that. Anyway, I'm getting the name wrong and the quote wrong, but that's the essence of it, so. Perfect, took a risk. There you go. Yeah, well, this is great, you guys. It's a fun book to look at, isn't it? I remember when you first got your copy.
0: It's very visual and it's very appealing and it's very readable. It looks readable because people don't want to sit down and look, you know, you look, I don't want to look at text anymore. I took. We have a writer's weekend, Victoria, where I bring people together who want to write a book. And this past weekend, there were four people from all walks of life. And we went to Barnes & Noble, if they're still around when this plays. We went to Barnes & Noble so they could pick their book out. There are some boring freaking books in the bookstore to a point where, what are these people thinking? And it's not just the book, it's the paper. It's the typesetting. It's the page after page. So you have to have, if someone's going to pick this book up off the shelf and go, this is freaking cool. I can do this. I can read this and they'll buy it. That's the whole deal.
1: You know, we had Victoria's book on the table. So we have like a table and we have a bunch of books that, you know, we like on that table. And a couple of people said, I keep being drawn to this book. I have to read this one. And then they kept picking your book up. And I will say there is something about it that makes you want to read it because when you guys buy it, when you buy it online, and we'll put a link in the show notes for it, it's a path and it's literally leading you into the book. It's really well done. Thank you.
2: That cover was fun to And I
0: would, I would be remiss in not asking you this final question about the little guy. Uh, the little guy, Victoria is a signature little guy. And I'm going to tell you, when you autograph our official book, I want a couple little guys in there. I want you to draw me and Jen. I want you to draw me and Jen and then sign. You got it. These guys are going to be iconic. And I'm going to challenge you with this idea that you take the 10 major quotes from the book, make posters out of them, put the little guy in there, make them a little bit bigger and people will frame them and hang them on their wall. Done. Just saying. Done. I want to set.
2: Okay. (laughs)
1: It's so well done. Victoria, thank yeah. you for being here with us today. Jen and Jeffrey, thank
2: you so much for having me.
0: It's a doggone pleasure, Annie. It is a doggone pleasure.
2: Thank you so
0: much for listening to Seller Die. We hope that this episode has helped you transform the way you think, given you new ideas, and provided you a new perspective on the sales and business challenges that you face every day
1: so you can get out there and win the customer all the way to the bank. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us help more people just like you make a difference in this world. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories and tag us at Jeffrey Gittimer and at Jen Gittimer. See See you you next week. week.